not only are those hands tender, oh, but they're so powerful and protective. Let me read you about them. It's in John 10. And it says in verse 28, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, and neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Those tender hands are the toughest hands ever when it comes to protecting his people. Well, tonight we are in verse 11, I mean in chapter 11 of the book of Luke. And I told you last week that we were going to stop there at verse 21 because it's, it's such a good story and such a good preaching place. But let's uh, start with verse 15 and read down to verse 23. But some of them said, He casteth out devils through Beelzebub, the chief of the devils. And others tempting him sought of him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against a house falleth. If Satan also be divided against himself, how shall his kingdom stand? Because ye say that I cast out devils through Beelzebub. And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore shall they be your judges. But if I with the finger of God cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God has come upon you. And when a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from him all his armor wherein he trusted and divideth his spoils. He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth. Let's bow our heads. Father, we can just feel and understand that there are deep truths involved here concerning the person of Satan, concerning the hold that Satan has on people. And our Lord Jesus Christ teaches us. He brings to us things that we would never know apart from his teaching in his word. We ask you to teach our hearts tonight. May our hearts go out unto thee asking for thy spirit to teach. We ask these things in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. I know last week we had gotten through verses 17 and 18 where it says, But he, knowing their thoughts, said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against a house falleth. And of course, this holds true whether it's a, a ball club whether it's a school board or whether it's a church. A church is a family. And it says every house divided against a house falleth. Now, oftentimes in a church where there are diversity of thinking, 
even diversity of jobs uh, or of uh, things that people do in the church, sometimes their minds kind of override what their position is. And what we're getting at saying is all members of our congregation should first of all mind their own business. You see, we have a business to tend to. It's the keeping of our soul. None of us are protectors of somebody else's soul or life. We are to be protectors of our own and of our children. But when there is a jealous, when there is a uh, overbearing type of domination that someone thinks they have over someone else in the congregation, that could cause a house to fall or a, a house to be brought to desolation. But that is not going to happen here. What takes place in the lives of some of our members is their business, and we pray to God for them for their success and their happiness, regardless of our personal opinions, because how often we are wrong, and what a, a, a nasty, dirty, slimy trail we have made of our own lives. We have no authority, and particularly no right, because of anything good in us, to even give people advice. So in our congregation, if someone does something that we don't like, take that to the Lord and keep it there. Let the Lord work out problems, because he's the only one can. I can't. I've tried to work out problems for several in our congregation, and I find that I have done absolutely nothing down through the years. I'm talking about a span of years. Nothing has progressed except peace was kept and unity was kept. And that's all that we're asking. You do your part, we'll do ours, and don't try to run God's business. He says, if Satan be divided against himself, how shall his kingdom stand? Well, it can't. Our Lord's just speaking out common reasoning. They said he cast out demons by the chief of the demons. He said, that's impossible. Because how would his kingdom stand if he did that? You see, when our Lord got a hold of this fellow, or whoever, how many he did, he was casting out a dumb spirit and healed an individual he was marching on Satan's kingdom. He was entering into his house. He was entering into his palace and overcoming him and casting Satan out. So how ridiculous to say that Satan was doing that himself. And therefore, uh, when we get to our message here, in verse 21, when a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. We're going to talk about someone 
that hardly anybody believes in. We're talking about Satan, a living person, a living, a living personality, put it that way, because he is a spirit being created higher than a human being, created more powerful than a human being, created more beautiful than a human being. When we learn things from the scriptures, there are basic doctrines that we all should learn, that we all should know. And one of them is the doctrine of Satan. There is a doctrine of Satan. He runs from cover to cover in the scriptures just like the Lord Jesus Christ does. I'll quickly mention the great basic doctrines of scripture which most churches never even hear of, but I'm sure you are all very familiar. First of all, there's the doctrine of the sovereignty of God. That's the foundation truth of the entire Bible. Then comes the total depravity of man. This is a doctrine that man hates, religionists hates. People just hate that by nature. And then there's a third doctrine called blood redemption in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the theme of the scriptures, salvation by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then there's a teaching that salvation is holy of grace. This is what rules out free will. It's God who does the work in a sinner's heart to save him, not the sinner, first of all, making his move on God. It never happens that way. Then there's a doctrine of the Holy Spirit. There's a doctrine of the second coming of Christ. And seventh is the doctrine of Satan which we're going to talk about because he is the strong man that our Lord is talking about in these couple verses. Now, Satan is a living personality. And the individual who says that Satan is just an influence or is just wickedness doesn't know his Bible, and he certainly is blinded by Satan. Satan, who happens to be the God of this world. Thirty-five times in God's word, he is called the devil. And the word devil means accuser or slanderer. He accuses the saints before God and slanders the character of God to men. He works both ways. Then we find the word Satan is used 52 times is applied to the devil and means enemy or adversary. He is God's enemy. He hates God and has a grudge against the Lord Jesus Christ. Then he's against man and does everything he can to destroy him. And that is the reason it is so hard for a poor lost sinner to get saved. I know that the religious world tells you it's so easy no, it's not easy. It's the hardest thing you'll ever face in your life because you have to overcome your own heart, you have to overcome the world, you have to overcome Satan, and you have to trust the Lord Jesus Christ to be your overcomer in all three of those fields. Every individual is either 
demon-possessed, or demon-influenced. And if salvation is not only by blood but by power, then the Holy Spirit has to take the sinner and deliver him from the kingdom of Satan where he is held captive by Satan at his will. That's all scripture. You understand that? Now the name Satan refers to his character. That is, he's the adversary of all that is good toward God and man. The name devil refers to his manner or mode of carrying out his devilish designs against God and man, and uh, that is by lying, slanders, false accusations, and evil misrepresentations. Now, in our congregation, we have had a few of those just recently, and those that make such slanderous remarks about individuals have got to take these back to the Lord and ask for forgiveness. In John 14.30, let's take a peek at that. Satan is called the prince of this world. John 14, verse 30. Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. Now can you imagine... The Lord Jesus Christ, the creator of that spirit called Satan, calling him the prince of this world. Why? Because of his wisdom, because of his power, and because of his beauty. You see, you and, we, you and I can't see him. We only see pictures of a little red fella with horns and a pitchfork and an and a arrow-type tail that... <laughs> That's the biggest deception you'll ever see. Satan was one of the most beautiful of all of creation. Now, this describes his position in the world. Then in Luke 11, 8, 18, where we are tonight, let's look at Luke 11:18. He's called Beelzebub. If Satan also be divided against himself, how shall his kingdom stand? Because... He say that I cast out devils through Beelzebub. They call him Beelzebub because he's the head of all demons. Every demon spirit is under the devil's control. So you see, the devil is a living personality. And this truth is greatly denied by almost everybody, including the whole religious world. They talk about him. They will mention his name, but they don't believe he exists the same way they talk about God and don't believe he exists. How can people live in sin and say they believe in God when the attributes of God are awesome? He knows your thoughts afar off. He's known your thoughts from eternity. He never learns anything new about you because he knows all about you, for starters. And people say they know God or believe in God and live like they do. We're living in a day when Satan's existence is denied by religious leaders and those who do accept him say he's only an influence or just the wickedness in the world. 
Let's look at Matthew 13:19, where Satan is called the wicked one. Matthew 13:19. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. Well, the wicked one refers to him as the chief mover of all wickedness. Wickedness means iniquity, and the Antichrist will be the sum total or the mystery of wickedness. The, and iniquity, just as Christ is the Son of God, and he's the mystery of righteousness. Then in Ephesians 2.2, he's referred to as the prince of the power of the air. Let's look at that one, Ephesians 2.2. Where in times past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh, in the children of disobedience. This means that anyone who is not a believer is part of the group called children of disobedience, and you just read that the prince of the power there worketh in every single one of them. Satan's headquarters is in the stratosphere, so he's called here Prince of the Power of the Air. And he's the head of all principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this world, and great host of wicked spirits, according to Ephesians 6.12. Two pages to your, three pages to your right, we'll have Ephesians 6.12 that says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now let's take a peek at Isaiah 14.12. In Isaiah 14.12, we begin to learn the beginning of Satan. Isaiah 14.12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. What did the Lord think about those thoughts? You see, Satan didn't say that. He said, uh, for you have said in your heart. Our Lord knows the thoughts of every one of his created beings. Before Satan had a chance to do anything, the Lord threw him out because of his thoughts. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Can you imagine that? He was a proud, created spirit. 
All right. Now, before these thoughts took place, he had a position so exalted that he was called the anointed cherub. I want you to turn to Ezekiel 28 and look at verse 14. Ezekiel 28, 14. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till. Oh, what a word that is, huh? From being perfect, from being beautiful, from being the anointed to lead the worship of heaven till iniquity was found in thee. The anointed means, refers to the priesthood, represents worship. Therefore, he was the guardian angel of the throne of God, the one that led the worship of the universe, and in that position was called the morning star. This personality runs from Genesis 1-2 through the entire Bible until he's cast into the lake of fire in Revelation 20-10. Now, turn to 2 Corinthians 4, look at verses 3 and 4, and we're going to find something even more astounding. This strong man, armed, is called the God of this world. Start reading with verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Now, we usually read over that pretty fast. Many, many people of our acquaintance do not understand the Bible. And we just read that if they don't understand it, they're lost. The gospel is hid to them. Now, that doesn't mean we run off and leave them that we say, well, too bad they don't believe, because as long as a person has breath, God can quicken their heart. But when they remain in that condition and die in that condition, you can say they are lost. Okay, that's what that means. That's when lost is lost, when it's final. But we're talking about Satan now in verse 4 in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Being called the God of this world, which means he's the originator and director of all false religions. False faiths false repentance, false religious impressions and feelings, and false religious experiences, God of this world. He works and moves in the realm of religion and influences the minds that are darkened and leads them into false worship. He does this to lead them away from blood redemption in Christ. The average individual today does not know the difference between Satan's false worship and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. The apostle said, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. He's right. And how many stay lost 
even though they dabble in gospel truths. Now turn to John 8:44. We're going to find that Satan's called an old liar. And the Lord Jesus Christ called him that. So it isn't just name calling. He's speaking the truth because every word our Lord spake, he spoke from what he knew. And John 8:44 says, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. And when he speaketh the lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. When it says he was a murderer from the beginning, I believe it's referring back to the beginning of mankind, because he was the instigator of Abel's murder. Cain killed Abel over the first religious fight. Now, the reason he's called a liar, because he's set against the truth, he opposes the truth, and Christ is spoken in the scriptures as the way, the truth, and the life. And Satan is spoken of as the lie, the opposer of truth. He cannot tell the truth, never has, and never will. Now, we've got another scripture in Revelation 12, 9. Take a look at that one. In Revelation 12, 9, We find several names for Satan there. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, he was cast out onto the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So Satan is a living personality, and his one purpose is to keep the world deceived. Now, how does he keep man deceived? First, he keeps that individual deceived as to his lost condition. You will find out in life that the most difficult part of salvation is for the person to admit they're a lost sinner. Satan never tells a person they're lost. He will always tell them they're okay, even to the point that they're saved. Let them go through all types of preaching and religion, but he will never, never bring a person to their lost condition. That's the work of God's Holy Spirit. By nature, every human being wants just enough religion to keep his soul pacified and his conscience eased, and to keep him blinded to the reality of his bankrupt, lost condition. Satan knows that, and he steps in as a deceiver, and gives man such a soothing code of religion until man is never awakened to the fact that he is lost, except by the miracle of the Holy Spirit. Man is ever learning, and never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Let's look at our scripture again in Luke. Luke 11:21. He's called a strong man armed. The strong man is the devil who may be said to be armed with his own temptations, which are as fiery darts and which are thrown by him thick and fast, suddenly and swiftly and with great accuracy, 
and strength, which makes them very grievous. You ever been hit? You ever had a fiery dart cast at you? Did you ever have to go limping off with a fiery dart, crying unto the Lord, help, help? Well, he is also armed by the sins and lust of men. That's the armor of unrighteousness which Satan turns upon them and makes use against them to their downfall. You can never doubt about the lust of men. The scriptures say that the things of the world, the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. Pride is just as bad as any lust. Then our scripture up there says when this strong man arm keeps his palace... What's this palace? This is the corrupt heart of the unregenerate man where he dwells as a king. Has a throne, keeps his court, has servants. Who are the servants? Lust of the flesh, desires of the will, carnal affections, which makes it a filthy palace, but perfectly agreeable to his nature, to man's nature and to Satan's nature. This palace is kept by a strong guard of demons and worldly lust until its strongholds are demolished by the gospel and Christ the King of glory enters in. If you ever want to see the story told just exactly the way I described it to you, you should read The Holy War by John Bunyan. It's a story of Satan holding his palace, the heart of man, and the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is stronger than the strong man, coming to reclaim that heart. Well, until such time as this happens, Satan's goods are kept in peace. There's no concern in the heart of man about sin, no sense of danger, no inquiry about salvation, no dread upon the mind about the curses of the law, no fears of hell and damnation, but such a man lives in entire security, crying peace, peace to himself. That's the situation that we were in. That's the situation that many of our loved ones are in. It's the situation that most people in the world are in, but they're not even acquainted with the gospel. Gospel light makes us more responsible than any of these people we've seen on TV in Africa or wherever. Millions of them starving, crying, pitiful, but they've never heard the gospel. Their hearts are being controlled by Satan. And when one dies, Satan just has another victory. When a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from him all his armor wherein he trusted and divideth his spoils. Now, the one in our story who is stronger than the strong man is the Lord Jesus Christ. And back to verse 14, we find that he was casting out a devil or a demon. 
he was casting out a devil and it was dumb. So that was one of the attributes of this person. He couldn't speak because he was demon-possessed. I see, you and I don't know this. Maybe we know people that can't speak, but we don't know if they're demon-possessed or they were had a birth defect. This is where I can only read to you how it was. And it came to pass when the devil was gone out, the dumb spake, and the people wondered. This was the stronger than the strong man entering into his palace, taking his armor from him, and now dividing the spoils. What's the division? Well, our Lord Jesus Christ has his soul. I don't know what Satan is left with. Maybe only a memory. I don't know, but once the Lord Jesus Christ has taken over the heart of a sinner, Satan has no more claim on him. He's redeemed by blood. As yet, our Lord hadn't shed his blood. But he was going to shed it for this person, the one whom he cast Satan out of. Turn to Isaiah 53:12. There it speaks about him dividing the spoil also. So our Lord had his own scripture in mind. The Lord Jesus Christ is the author of this whole book. These are his words. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. My, what our Lord Jesus Christ did for you and me. Poured out his soul unto death. Bear the sin of many, how? By being beaten, by being insulted, by being mocked, and then by being isolated and rejected by God the Father. Left alone, heaven didn't want him, earth didn't want him, suspended between heaven and earth, descending into hell for you and me. The worst part was being abandoned by God the Father. You and I will never feel that. We will never come to feel that isolation. Those in hell will feel it somewhat. But our Lord Jesus Christ felt the isolation of God for eternity while he was living See, others will have to die and be resurrected to feel the separation from God the Father. What a horrible thought to be absolutely separated from God forever, from any of his creation, from any of his blessings, from a ray of sun, from the note of a bird, from the beauties of a meadow, from the delicacies of the many, many foods that he has created for his people, from the refreshing touch of a drop of water, 
all of these things that people in hell will be absolutely separated from. They will live in outer darkness, punished by the burnings of hell that gives off no light. To be there and to be suffering and punished forever and ever. People don't believe this. Think that's too much. God wouldn't do that. Well, I want to tell you something. Our Lord Jesus Christ suffered that in your place and mine. Those that come to him have paid their sin debt in Christ. Why don't more people come to him? Why don't they study the scriptures and find out what salvation is all about? Because they love to live in their sin. They love to live in their ignorance. They hate holiness by nature. And therefore the world stumbles on as the closing days are upon us. When God is about to shut the curtain down and start a whole new play. I'm glad I'm not going to be here for the next play because it's tribulation time. When God takes his people out, the world is going to suffer in a worldwide tribulation. And our Lord described it as the worst of times from the beginning of creation, the very worst. Aren't you glad you know him? Aren't you glad he's given you spiritual understanding and a concern for your own soul and he gave you grace to come to him, to cry to him, to ask him for mercy. We never stop asking for mercy. We need it every day. We need God's grace every day. We need his wisdom every day. We need to read in his word every day. This is where he talks to us. God never talks to us in visions and dreams or outward words. He talks to us in his word, from his word. Make much of God's word. Because our Lord Jesus Christ overcome the strong man. And because he overcome the strong man, we have eternal life. Let's bow our heads. Father, we ask thy blessing upon our message tonight. Thank you for teaching us from thy word. Make these things real to our hearts. May we not just hear them and pass them off, but live in the truths of thy word. We pray in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.